0: Welcome everybody to the very first episode of the Black Lawyers Podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing the Maxine Waters. Hello, Congressman Maxine Waters. Thank you so much for joining the Black Lawyers Podcast. How are you today? How are you today?
1: I'm fine, thank you very much for inviting me. Yes, everything's good.
0: Good, good. We know that you are very busy out there uh, fighting for our rights. um, And it's just a pleasure having you on. Um, Some of my viewers may know me as one of Ahmaud Aubrey's attorneys with Wanda Cooper Jones. We wanna thank you again for participating in his celebration ceremony back in May. Um, And we are looking forward to hopefully a favorable verdict um, towards the end of this year. So we just wanna thank you again for participating in his celebration. Definitely. Uh, so we're well, going to jump. I'd
1: like to thank you for your presentation.
0: Yes. Yes, thank you. Um, so we're going to jump right into your questions because, you know, this is the Black Lawyers Podcast that we're interviewing Black legislators, Black you know mayors, Black lawyers, Black law professors. You know, it's all Black everything on this channel, um, and so we do have some people in the <laughs> audience that are interested in becoming representatives at various levels. Um, So we're gonna jump right into your questions. Why did you choose to become a Congresswoman? Uh,
1: Thank you very much for the question. Uh, I didn't exactly choose to become a Congresswoman. Uh, The way that my life unfolded, it just kind of led me uh, to the um, time when Um, It was possible to be done, Uh, even though I had not planned it, uh, of course, I've always been interested in government and politics, uh, even when I was in high school, uh, where, you know, I got involved uh, in so many ways with the Human Relations Club and all those kinds of things. And then, of course, um, I went to work for Head Start. And I was in love with Head Start when it first came into being under the war on poverty. And being in Head Start uh, led me to interact with a lot of elected officials at the time who were involved in this new war on poverty, you know, from the federal government. And um, getting involved with these elected officials, I learned a lot about what they were all about what they did, what they, uh, how they acted, uh, what kind of public policy they were involved with. And so not only did I get interested, it led me to begin to manage political campaigns, where of course I learned every aspect of management. And then something opened up. Uh, a member of the California State Assembly decided to resign, had some problems. And of course it was at that time when the women's movement was really beginning uh, to become very active. And so uh, with uh, the National Women's Political Caucus, with the National Organization for Women and with women like Bella Abzug and Gloria Steinem and uh, women that I was meeting, they began to say, why don't you run uh, when this opportunity uh, became uh, available? And so we kind of talked about it and uh, I ran uh, and I had a lot of support from women and um, I had learned an awful lot, you know, managing campaigns. And so I ran for the California State Assembly and I was there for 14 years uh, until the congressional seat Uh, became available and it was almost a natural Uh, the congressman at that time was congressman augustus hawkins who was uh, literally retiring from office and because i had been in the assembly uh, that seat that kind of overlapped and i'd learned the district very well i ran and i was successful and that's what brought me into the house of representatives of the congress of the united states
0: well it sounds like it chose you <laughs> this this profession yeah, definitely to you. Yeah, it looked like it was just like you said, destiny for that position to open up. So obviously we're happy that the stars aligned and you've been in office for so long, advocating for so long. Um, with you advocating, you mentioned your previous position prior to this. Would you have done, say, anything else? Let's just say you, your, your path did not cross with this ability to become a representative. Uh, would you have done anything else?
1: Well, you know, um, I may have. I was interested in a lot of things when I was young. I was an athlete uh, when I was young. I uh, played basketball and volleyball, and I was a runner and a swimmer. Oh didn't know
0: that. Yes, <laughs> wow, always that's amazing.
1: Interested, always interested in sports and uh, participated very heavily in sports. And so I was interested in that. And then, too, I was a dancer. Okay. Uh, well, we lobby. have
0: something in common. Are you Yes, I dancing? used to dance.
1: Yes, I danced.
0: Okay. I, don't think if, I don't think I would be who I was if I wasn't a dancer. I've danced since I was six. And I was even in the dance theater problem residency program. They would come between New York and DC on the East Coast. So yeah, I've danced, modern, ballet, all professional. I did
1: uh, ballet and interpretive dance when I was very young. Uh, We just happened to have a very, very good community center uh, in St. Louis, Missouri, where I was raised. And um, it was there that we spent a lot of time and every neighborhood had its own center. And in our center, we had a Olympic-sized swimming pool. That's why I learned how to really swim. Uh, We had a dancer who was one of the uh, people Uh, who ran the center, who got us into the dance classes. And so uh, I might have done any other thing. I don't know. Right. It could have been, we could have been looking at,
0: we could have been looking at
1: Olympian
0: (laughs) uh, Maxine Waters instead of Congresswoman, which would have been just even great. I mean, we have the Olympics going on. So, so much (laughs) is going on with that. But no, that, I think, I don't know if a lot of listeners know that about you. So I think that that's really interesting. <laughs> very, very cool. Um, so shifting to just your role, I mean, you've always been very vocal, very advocate in your role. Was there ever a moment that you felt discriminated against while you were in office? And how did you handle that? Because a lot of times people don't want to get in these positions of lawyer or representative or, you know, these, these visible positions and then Um, you know, be discriminated against, not taken seriously. So um, was there ever a moment and how did you handle
1: it? Well, as you know, uh, if you happen to be Black uh, in America, uh, you're going to run into uh, many times when there will be slights uh, that will be discrimination, there will be words that will be used uh, that... uh, you know, indicates that, you know, someone who's pretty racist is talking to you or about you. And so I've had all those kind of slights. Uh, I can recall, not in my work, but when I first started uh, riding airplanes first class and sometimes the host would ask me when I was hanging my my jacket or my luggage up where the the additional luggage, you know, they would ask me, Oh, what seat are you sitting in? Or oh, you're not supposed to <laughs> hang your, your luggage here. they just so, assumed you were a coach. That's right. And so when they would ask me what seat was I sitting in, I said, I'm sitting in the right one that allows me to hang my luggage right here. <laughs> and so <laughs> I've had those kind of slights. And then, of okay. course, in politics, which was, you know, still majority male, they're all kind of little slights um, that... Or you experience, you can be in a room and you can come up with an idea. Uh, and the next thing you know, some man is, you know, repeating your idea for himself. As herself. if you
0: didn't say Never, it. Ever <laughs> said,
1: you know what I mean? That happened a lot uh, in time. Um, and there have been other things, but what has not happened is I've not had a direct confrontation as such. Um, and I've been pretty fortunate about that. I've had more confrontations uh, as a member of Congress with people you know, who evidently had a racist attitude. Uh, mm-hmm. And recently one even confronted me in a restaurant and they don't say racist things, but right. what they say is uh, they don't like something I said. They don't mm-hmm. like a position that I took. Uh, but you know that you know, if you were not black, Right, uh, you would not be approached that right. way. Right, they so. probably would not. Right, they no. would think twice
0: about mm-hmm. doing it. They think That's that right. they can get right. away with right. doing it with with you, and that That's you're right. fly. Well, you you have your famous reclaiming your time, which yes. you haven't trademarked. I'm a trademark it for you because everybody. <laughs> everybody uses it okay so we know that you will hit them with a saying if they if they come to you incorrectly um that's you know again you have this whole younger generation that just really um embraces you and loves you for that so i just i just think it's great because a lot of times you know these other you know career paths are more celebrated you know singer dancer rap or whatever which is nothing wrong with that But yeah. I just like that you have made it cool to be, <laughs> you know, a representative of a politician. So uh, we thank you for that.
1: Um, thank you for sharing that with me. It makes <laughs> you feel good, it yeah, really does. So you, have you, a, you have a whole
0: generation that really support, younger generation that really supports what you're doing. Speaking of which, what would be your advice if someone wanted to become, you know, like a politician or representative on any level, whether it be congressman, mayor, senator, you know, if you're, if you're Black and you're getting into this role, would you have anything off the top of your head in terms of just initial advice? Absolutely.
1: I think people who are interested or even think they're interested, get involved as early as you possibly can in campaigns. Uh, get to know elected officials. You know, a lot of times you, you start out uh, as a volunteer of some kind, or you get with an organization that's focused on a particular issue uh, that you might be interested in, but get involved. And I know that a lot of people uh, may have a career already but they're interested, but they don't have a lot of time. Uh, They don't think they have a lot of time. But the best way uh, to pursue a political career is to interact Uh, with politicians and get involved with the party that you're interested in. You know, it's very easy to compete to be a delegate in the Democratic Party at the national conventions. Just learn the rules, learn Mm -hmm. what the rules are, sign up, go to the meetings, you know, get to know some people, figure out how it's all done. But involvement is the best way to do it. It is not easy to step out from non-involvement and all of a sudden be known or to understand how it all works. But involvement will help to move you to the point of wanting to run and understanding what it takes. I agree. I actually you know, volunteer
0: in the White House Correspondence Office. They always look for volunteers. And then um, in high school, um, so I went to Benjamin Maniker in Washington, D.C., so okay. was the academic school. So we had internships on Capitol Hill. So I actually uh, volunteered for Senator Boyne Han's office. office. Oh, okay. um, so, yeah. So I always tell people you can start, you know, with the internships and things like that. My dad okay. also previously okay. worked on the Hill. So, you know, just get in where you fit in. But I like the idea of maybe even just starting with organizations with issues you care about, because that's how you can really start to stand out out if you're really focusing on certain issues. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's a great tip. Um, Let's see how that kind of flows into the next question. How do you think we can grow our state and federal level government with more black representatives? Because a lot of times I tell people, you know, people get so angry about how decisions and cases are made or how things are passed. And I'm like, well, we do need to change the laws. That that's, a big thing. We do need to change some of these laws, but we also need to change the people that are in the office, you know? So how can we grow, you know, as a community, a black community, how can we put more black faces in in these positions?
1: Well, at one time it was felt uh, by black people that you really couldn't run and be successful unless you ran in a district where it was majority black, for example. That's not the case anymore. It's not the case because uh, number one, um, there are fewer districts that are majority black anymore in this country. Uh, You may have them uh, that, you know, maybe 30, 40%. My district, for example, it's only, I think about 23 African Americans in my district, 23,000. Um, so 23,000 about, uh, we have 750 so it has to be more than 23,000. The percentage is a uh, 23% black. And so they, that's
0: not, that's clearly not the majority, so.
1: No, it's not the majority. The majority is Latinian, Latin X. And then oh, we yes, have a so. combination of Asians and whites. It is pretty diverse but certainly not majority. And then I think if you take a look at most of uh, the black officials that are not in the deep South, we don't have majority black districts. And so I think people have to get over the notion that you have to have a black district to run, but you do have to get known and you do have to understand the issues of other cultures and other ethnic groups. And so that if you're really interested in running in a diverse Uh, uh, community, get to know the people that make up that district, whether that congressional district or that city or that uh, legislative district, so that you have an appreciation for what their issues are also, so that when you campaign, you're campaigning on issues of concern to the diversity in the district, and you're talking to people about issues that they care about. And uh, that's the way I think that you get elected to office and not depend on having a majority black district.
0: I think that 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 that's very notable what she said, because I do think people said, oh, if I have maybe go in this black area by default, you know, I'm gonna win. Uh, but you really can't go anywhere now in the United States where it's just majority black. So you kind of have no. to, you have to really represent the issues of the community, whether it be that's black, right. Spanish, whatever. So I think that's definitely a good tip. Um, when, what has been your, maybe your most favorite moment as a congresswoman, or perhaps your proudest moment in the work that you've achieved so far while you've been in office?
1: Uh, as it relates to, um, public policy and serving in elective office, I've had some proud moments. I worked in the California State Assembly and I, led the legislation on divestment uh, of the public employee funds from businesses that were doing business in South Africa and worked uh, with the ANC uh, to help get Nelson Mandela released from prison and of course, work to get rid of apartheid uh, in uh, South Africa. And so my bill was passed uh, and California had to uh, stop, literally. Uh, you know, allowing businesses to be a part of the purse funds and the state teachers retirement funds and and all of that, we couldn't invest in any of those businesses that were doing business in South Africa. So we had a um, a financial uh, strategy uh, dealing with how to get um, you know attention placed on apartheid and how to stop our businesses without them maybe intending to do so and we're talking about our big corporations now, uh, how to stop them from uh, supporting apartheid in ways that they didn't even understand. And so my divestment bill was huge. And of course, I welcomed Nelson Mandela and put together uh, the event when he came to Los Angeles uh, in our Coliseum where we had 90,000 people or so. And then of course, I went to his inauguration, which was fantastic and just, you know, absolutely, you know, the most inspiring thing that you could ever be a part of. So that was very, very uh, big for me, uh, just to be as involved as I was in helping to get rid of apartheid in South Africa, helping to get Nelson Mandela released from prison and then helping him to become the president of South Africa. That was huge. huge. That is
0: huge. I mean, and and I've looked at this story tons of time and I'm just like, you know, God knows everybody's plan and God knows what you can bear. Because I don't know if I can bear being in jail that long. And he bared it, but God knows. God knows who can bear what. And um, I just, it's an amazing story. So I had no idea you were a part of that legislation. So yeah. I that's Again, a- another jewel that we're gonna your, the audience will get from the interview. I don't think, you know, I'm sure you have tons of stories, but that that's another
1: lots of stories. I wish I could tell them to you. At another time, I'll tell you how I rescued uh um, the um the president of Haiti.
0: Uh, oh, and Haiti uh, is in, in the Africa, news right now. In
1: Africa, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right, but not that one. Not that right. Not, <laughs> not Aaron, that one, right. President yeah. Aristide was the president uh, at that time. Yeah, but wow. we'll talk about
0: that. Yeah, we'll, we'll about talk that about that, that. That'll be part two maybe in the future. We'll yeah. go do a part two of the okay. interview with you. Well, speaking of which, last but not least, are there any... You know, Speaking of bills and things like that, is there anything, any bills you want to mention that the public should know, especially your constituents, that maybe they should be currently supporting? Is there anything out there that you're currently pushing that you could use the oh, public? Yeah, supporting? I can
1: tell you about a number of bills. First of all, we do have uh, uh, two bills uh, on the House side that are very, okay. very important on voting rights. Uh, okay. We have H.R. 1 and the Senate has Senate 1 bill. Uh, And we have the John Lewis bill uh, on voter registration and participation. Right now, we have many states, I think it's up maybe 14, between 14 and 19 states, who have produced voter suppression bills. They are trying to limit the ability for people of color uh, to be able to vote in the numbers that we are increasingly vote in that's power, that's influence. And so they would like to limit our influence with voter suppression laws. They're doing everything from asking for different kind of identification or identification for the first time is being utilized as a way to deny people uh, the ability to vote. You have changing early voting days or stopping them or cutting them off or stopping them. Many of our states use early voting days very effectively. People uh, you know, choose to vote, you know, on, during the week rather than, uh, I mean, on the weekends maybe. Right, what because maybe you?
0: they're working and they can't That's right. get off. That's
1: right. And right. so early voting days, uh, they are also making sure that it's very difficult for people uh, to have access to the polling place with people standing in long lines and getting discouraged and leaving. And Georgia even tried to make it a crime uh, to prevent, I mean, to present people standing in line with water and any kind of nutrition so that they could maintain in line. Uh, I think they had to back away from that one. Right. Are there any I I number of one. clever things that they're coming up with to try and prevent um. You know, people from voting. So those bills on voter registration and voter participation that we have in Congress will have to stop some of that. They won't be able to do some of that. And those bills are very, very important. Well, it's interesting interesting that you say that because, like you
0: said, sometimes they're never going to come out and say, oh, we're trying to prevent black people from voting, but they do little things where by default, it tends to affect the Black population. And they think that they're slick. I just think it's so amazing that they think that we don't know what they're doing. But anyway, what was the other bill that you were mentioning?
1: Well, uh, there are a number of bills. I have three big housing bills. I'm trying to get rid of homelessness in this country, and I'm asking for a lot of money, $600 billion to get rid of homelessness once and for all. We would do that by creating and building more affordable housing. We will do that uh, by making sure that we improve public housing that's in disrepair all over the country. We would do that by helping uh, to assist these young people and millennials with down payment assistance so that they could buy homes. And so this huge, uh, you know, the work that I'm doing right now and trying to get some of that in the infrastructure bill uh, that we are promoting in the the, uh, Congress of the United States. So I'm working on that. And then I have a few other bills that I think are very important. Justice for Honorees Act. It increases the amount of money honorees in the federal system can receive per year of wrongful incarceration from $50,000 to $70,000 per year. This necessary changes uh, change addresses the fact that the law providing compensation for exonerees who serve time for crimes they never committed is not adjusted for inflation and has not been updated in almost two decades. So wow. if you've served time and you've been exonerated, whether they, it's the DNA or whatever. Whatever. You've you know, been exonerated. You, they that's right. you didn't do it. They're giving you, you 50 and it really should be
0: more. Yeah, that's definitely should be more. Yeah,
1: definitely. So I'm working on that. And of course, I continue uh, to always pay attention to some bills that are in other committees, uh, like what we're doing uh Following uh, the killing of George Floyd and the Police Reform Act uh, that we're trying to support uh, to ensure uh, that the chokehold, for example, is absolutely outlawed and other kinds of things that are done uh, that murder uh, unarmed individuals uh, who happen mostly to be Black and mostly Black men. Uh, and so we're working on that. And of course, uh, you know, what you have done. In working uh, on and bringing to the attention of the world what happened to Aubrey and um, how you can be just innocent, minding your own business. Minding your own business. Minding your you're own business. Out and- doing what everybody should be doing, exercising a little bit, walking, jogging, right. what have you. and right. racists will find a way to kill you. And I tell you why that kind of hit me. And I don't know if I told you. I'm what is known as a look look-aloop. And look-a-loo. I okay. stop and I look at houses up for sale, okay. buildings that are being built for the first time. I'm a lookaloo, and oftentimes, you know, I'm so interested, I will knock on the door where the workers are, and the workers will let me in, and they will show me what they're doing in constructing this new house. Uh, if I see one uh, that mm-hmm. is being, you know, done, and there's nobody there, I'll go in. So. Gee, gee wish for someone to think that I'm there to steal something in a right. vacant we'll commit, house or commit any
0: sort of crime just because you're you're looking in, and that's essentially that's all that's literally all they could at least come up with that it was reported that he was looking in some windows, so they took it upon themselves, you know, as citizens to go after after and arrest him, you know, at a minimum, you know, if you really felt like something was going on, call, call the police. You know, the fact right. that you, you, you were in you felt entitled, That's right. That's right, 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 to go and approach him and and do what you did. And then, you know, it it appears to be covered up because for months people didn't even hear about the case. So yeah. it should be very interesting how this, you know, plays out. I am happy that in addition to state charges, federal charges have been filed. Um, and then on top of that, um, you know, this is going to be kind of right in the middle, because I know you're a runner, right in the middle of um the, the, the New York Marathon, that big marathon. So you have yes. a lot of black runners running in yes. his name and it'll be all around that oh, time. So it, it's going to bring even more attention to it kind of in the middle of the trial because you're going to have a lot of black runners running in his name. So oh,
1: that's wonderful. I didn't know about that. Thanks for yes, sharing. Yes. And I'll
0: make sure your office has that, that, that information about, you know, that event. Cause I know ESPN is going to be covering it. They're going to get some footage for a documentary. So it's it's going to be huge, and they—the sole purpose of this documentary—they really want to air it, you know, around the time of the of the trial to just, you know, again put public pressure. Sometimes you're hung in the the, the trial jury of the public before you even get to the courtroom. Um, so they're definitely trying to just put more pressure on what really happened, really bring light to what happened. And, uh, you know, just continue his legacy. He's obviously not here anymore, Uh, but you have so many people still advocating for him, including his mom, who's my client. Um, And so we're, again, we're just praying for the best, just like we were praying for the best with George Floyd, we're praying for the best for Ahmad. And, you know, we shall see. Uh,
1: I think, I I really do believe uh, that the facts that have been revealed are such that you are gonna be successful. I really, so. I really hope so, I really and hope so, I really hope so. Along with your success, I want you to know that you are recorded in history on this on this, uh, this case, and that this is one of the cases that will long be uh, talked about and remembered, and you will be right there uh, as the one who has really caused it To be known and to be exposed and the one who has won uh and got some justice for his family his mom and the rest of them who are absolutely absolutely
0: yes Yes, we're waiting for the fall very anxiously but you know we're gonna obviously put it in god's hand and let the law speak for itself like you said let the facts speak for themselves i mean it's all right there on the surface not a lot of digging just like with george floyd i said if they don't come back with a look, it's all there. You know, you got right. video. I said, right. listen, this is a very, to me, an open and shut case, but we're going to let it yes. play itself out. And so yes. we're hoping the same uh, for, for for Mob. We're definitely hoping for the same. I want to close out with a Black Excellence moment. And it actually kind of reminds me of you. So I'm going to tell you a little story. So um, this week for the first time ever, the Harvard International Debate Council competition um, had Jayla Jackson and Amani Stanton from North Atlanta High School. They're the first black girls to win this debate competition. Um, And they are part of the Harvard Diversity Project uh, created by Brandon Fleming. Um, And he does it, it's almost like a pipeline program into Harvard to get more, you know, promote diversity and inclusion up on the campus and getting more black students to apply to Harvard. So Jada and Imani, we wanna give you a shout out uh, oh, wow. from the Black Lawyers Podcast with Maxine Waters. We're going to give you a shout out. I, I love how you said you were so active in high school. So these are high schoolers, 16 yes. and 17-year-old yes. uh, yes. that won and beat out students from over 15 other countries worldwide. Wow. Uh, so, so we salute you, Jayla and Imani. Um, today and and always, and we just again, we encourage everyone. If debating and the law and uh, politics and policy of these things that you are passionate about, don't let the fact that you will be the minority. Obviously, if you're black, but if you're a black woman, you're even more of the minority. Don't let that stop you um, from becoming you. that lawyer, that politician, you know, that representative. Absolutely. And 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 yes. we have Congressman Maxine Waters. She is the proof. She is the proof in the pudding, right? That it can be done. So there's no excuse. She's the proof in the pudding. Okay,
1: congratulations, <laughs> Jada and Armani, Okay, Jada
0: and Amani. yes, yes, yes. So we want to just thank you again for taking the time. We know you're very busy, but our audience is going to pull so many gems from what you said in today's interview. And obviously we will be on the lookout for those bills. And we just, again, want to just thank you for joining us here on the Black Lawyers Podcast, uh, where we are rooting for everyone
1: Black. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank
0: you so very much. Thank you so much, Ms. Mortars. Take care. No problem. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Black Lawyers Podcast. This is your host, Attorney Jay Carter. Until next time, please follow us on all our social media handles at The Black Lawyers Podcast.